Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Supercoach 365 podcast. We're back again. Ryan and Tommy here with you to take you through. It's a little bit of a different episode today. We're going to go through every team's pod, a point of difference or a player of difference, depending on whatever way you want to word those things. Uh, but before we get into that, Tommy, mate, welcome back. Uh, how have you been the last week? Yeah, Ryan, good to be here. Uh, pretty well, mate. Getting closer and closer to the start of the season. I thought the All-Stars was actually a decent game in the weekend. I know a lot of people thought it was pretty low quality, but it was it was pretty wet. But I thought the, uh, the heart and the energy from both teams was excellent. Yeah, I think... That game, as we said on the weekend there, and uh, it's it's so often remembered by what happens before the game and not necessarily throughout it and at the end of it. So a draw, probably a fair and a fitting result. I think both teams were just happy to get through unscathed, the players as well. But yeah, I don't know. I think that game isn't helped by the fact that they play quarters because the fatigue just doesn't come into the game. But anyway, All-Stars is done and dusted for another year now. Uh, big news of the week, though, was... The injury to Tom Travojevic, he's running up and down the Manly Corso, but he slips in the shower. Tommy, what do you make of that? <laughs> uh, look, I don't know. Tommy has always seemed a pretty honest sort of a guy, but I, I guess it would be a bad look if he had got injured running up and down while he was drunk. So I don't think we'll ever really know the truth there, but either way, it's, it's a massive blow to Manly and a massive blow to super coaches, uh, both, both in classic and draft comps. The NRL Rose put up a post uh, last night or just after the news broke about Travojevic and they said that Harry will line up at number one for the Seagulls and straight away I thought far out man hasn't merely had some bad luck with Tommy Travojevic and his hamstrings in the last couple of years and it's it's quite sad that 
if he has fallen over in the shower or otherwise, that he won't be there for round one. Because I know myself, like a lot of super coaches, had him there at the fullback slot for round one. So plenty of headaches already for coaches um, a couple of weeks out before round one. In other news around fullbacks this week, uh, trial teams have just been announced for the upcoming weekend's games. And Scott Drinkwater has dethroned Valentine Holmes in the Cowboys number one. Not good signs if you're a Valentine Holmes owner, Tommy. No, terrible for uh, Val Holmes fans, but... I actually kind of rate the move from a Cowboys point of view. Am I correct in remembering that Scotty Drinkwater was... He's played one in the past, hasn't he, and been quite impressive? Yeah, he was next in line for Billy Slater's number one role when uh, Billy vacated the storm and then... Obviously, I think he was injured, and then it was Jerome Hughes' to wear, and then found its way to Ryan Pappenhausen, and the abundance of riches down there in Melbourne. But he was the next in line behind Billy, so it just shows you that he does have some talent, and he does have the potential to play in such a key position for the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. But as you mentioned at the, at the top of this chat, uh, Val Holmes now, he's probably, I think he's what, over 500000 on uh, in Supercoach. Are you really going to look at him as an option anymore if he's playing on the wing? No, and that was always the big question, wasn't it, um, as he was floated even last year between wearing the number one and playing on the wing. So, yeah, not good signs. I actually was pretty keen on Val if he was playing fullback this year, but if he's starting the year on a wing, I think his value just significantly decreases. He will kick goals still, you'd imagine so, but the value in having Val at the back was in his metres run and his potential to set up tries just as much as it was to score it. But anyway, we'll see how that all plays out this weekend. Uh, as we say, the trial's getting underway and we'll have a little run through of those uh, towards the back end of this podcast. But the reason why we're here today, we've got through our season preview podcasts and uh, had a chat about trial fixtures coming up before the season. But we wanted to kind of drill down here on those players, the points of difference at each different team here, those players that kind of slip past the mindset originally when you're picking a team. So, Tommy, let's get straight into it, and we'll start at the bottom of last year's table with the Brisbane Broncos. Who have we found here that kind of could separate classic coaches or even prove a good handy draft pickup in later rounds? Yeah, I come up with one here, uh, Matty Lodge, uh, a controversial figure, obviously, in the game, and he was injured. He missed a lot of last year through injury, uh, so he's a bit forgotten about coming into the year, and he's very cheaply priced. I think he's only 260000 I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure he's around that. Sorry, mate, 290. Well, that's still pretty cheap in that category. 2019, he averaged 63, and he played most of that year unimpeded. So if you can get back to a bit of a consistent footy this year, I don't see why you can't uh, very much improve on what he dished up last year. Yeah, I really like that. I've, I've actually got Lodge in my team as I updated it the weekend. And if you haven't seen that team, you can check it out at our website, supercoach365.com.au, or listen to the Team Update podcast, which we did put out. And uh, Lodge, he's a great price. And you mentioned there, Tommy, that high average. Um, he gets in at a cut price because he came back from that ACL injury uh, late last year, um, came back and didn't perform up to his standard. So he gets in quite cheap and he's owned by just 9%. So falls into that category of a pod. We're playing with less than 10% or 10% or less ownership here for the purpose of this podcast. Still on the Broncos, I like uh, Turpin. I think he's a great option as sort of a mid-range hooker in classic or even if you can snake him um, later towards the back end of those draft rounds. Um, I think you'll play the majority of minutes there at the Broncos number nine. So middle of the field, making plenty of tackles because of course uh, McCulloch's found his way down to uh, the Dragons. So just 2% ownership Turpin. From memory, he has a pretty handy points per minute output and at $393,000, he kind of at the higher end of that mid-range 
um, price category, but uh, I think he could be a, a handy inclusion and punch above his weight there to start the year. Yeah, I remember last year he was actually a bit of a prize commodity at times in uh, in draft comps. Uh, but look, Brisbane, a lot of unknown uh, quantities in that team. Jake Turpin's another one of those, but at the price and at the low ownership, he, he could be an option for sure. Yeah, I think he loses a little bit of... I guess desirability or, or, you know, you mentioned there that he was a highly sought-after player in draft because he was that half-back hooker, dual-position-eligible type player. Just the hooker position eligibility this year. But nonetheless, I think he'll be pretty handy and, and punch above his weight, as I say there. he's He'll be growing that price of $393,000, you'd imagine. Uh, let's move on to the Bulldogs. And uh, who do you like here, Tommy? New coach in Trent Barrett and... Uh, he can probably find a little bit of value in some pods at this club. Yeah, you can. Um, this is someone who I wrote about uh, in our articles initially on uh, supercoach365.com.au ahead of the season for the Bulldogs, Will Hopawadi. Um, look, last year was forgettable for him in terms of supercoach. I think he only averaged 45, but he did play most of the year at fullback. If you go back to the two seasons prior, he was averaging high 50s when he was playing in the centres. So uh, with uh, Corey Allen joining the club this year, we will be playing in the centres. So, look, there's a chance he can return to those big numbers he posted a few years ago, and he's currently only owned by 2%. So I think there's a bit of scope there for him. Yeah, I really like that as well. Dual position eligible, handy enough player in the centres. And I think Kyle Flanagan is a sort of player that doesn't mind giving you centre and early ball. So um, not sure what side Kyle will line up on at the Bulldogs, but if he is on that right side... I think Hopawati from memory is a predominant right side centre. Uh, we saw it with Flanagan's combination with Joey Manu. He's quick to give and go, and Hopawati could get a chance to stand up some defenders one on one. I've spoken about this guy at length already on the podcast. He seems to be a running topic here for myself, but Jake Avarello, I think he's uh, he sneaks in here 10% ownership. And as I said uh, in my team update podcast at the weekend, dual position eligible, centre wing 5'8. I like this. Uh, from a classic perspective, playing him in that center wing slot because I feel like he's going to get 65 to 70-plus touches a game, high involvements, and if he can set up some tries, I think he'll go a long way to, I guess, growing that price and um, creating some opportunities for his outside men. Yeah, it's a, it's a high-risk, well, not a high-risk play given the low ownership, but I don't know. I, I want to see a bit from the Bulldogs before I go banking on their their playmakers to get me through the year, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's more than fair call because they have struggled with scoring points last year. But you think of Trent Barrett coached teams, they don't mind throwing the ball around. You think of, I think it was Manly um, dating back a couple of final series ago. They could score points, they just couldn't stop them. So um, Trent Barrett, I don't know, I think he, he brought some some good signs out in Nathan Cleary last year working on their attack. So Avrello, just a smoky. That's what this is all about, just finding those diamonds in the rough. Moving on to the Cowboys. Tommy, who do you like here? We've already mentioned Drinkwater. Is, is he on your list here? We could be after today, today's news, um, but I've gone with Michael Morgan. Another Similar to what I've said in the previous two uh, pods that I've raised, He's kind of, he was terrible last year, let's be honest. Injured for the first half of the year, and then he came back. But I think by then the Cowboys were already gone, and he, he wasn't really – he just didn't seem like he was that interested, to be honest. But if we go back in the years prior, he was one of the better playmakers in the competition – He's very cheap. He's uh, dual position at both half and five-eighths and only owned by 5%. Yeah, no, I like that one as well. You're picking out some beauties here to start. You're on good form. You mentioned Morgan there. Yeah, I mean, we all saw what he did in 2017 with he carried the Cowboys on his back to the grand final. So like that. And I think like the Cowboys themselves last year, they struggled because obviously he was out for a large chunk of the year. 
then Morgan comes back, and then Holmes was out. So I think if they can both stay fit, they probably bring out the best in each other. They obviously have that combination um, off the field, very good mates. If they can bring it out on the field as well, that would be uh, going a long way to seeing uh, Morgan and, and Holmes grow their stocks and, and help the Cowboys towards a top eight finish. I've actually gone with Reese Robson here. I think he can, if he can nail down uh, at least 60 minutes, and I know that's going to be tough with Ruben Cotter snapping at his heels, but just 1% ownership, great points per minute, 55.5 average from 2020. His gameplay, it suits the new rules that have come in, the six again rule. I think it favours those dummy halves that do kind of just love to pick the ball up and go for a scoot. So I can see Robson creating a little bit more around the middle third this year and uh, maybe even lifting that average to a 60 plus. So I like Reese Robson and drink water there as well, as you say, given the news of today, if he is playing fullback, I think he's a great pickup. Yeah, Robson does look uh, a decent sort of promising player ahead of the season. I guess, like you mentioned, the one uh, downside is that you have a hooker on the bench probably in Cotter, so it just automatically probably means he's not playing 80. But having said that, I still think you've raised some good points about him and some benefits of having him. Uh, we'll move on to Manly now. Uh, what did you pick out for the Seagulls? Geez, I, I had a couple here, and if I have to find the best of the best, it sounds silly, but maybe it's just Daily Cherry Evans. Um, a lot of super coach players will start the year with Nathan Cleary at number seven. News, uh, I mean, I, I wrote this. Let me just preface this by saying I wrote this list before Tommy Turbo went down. But I think Cherry Evans, he can pick up maybe the goal kicking this year, so his average might increase. Uh, Kieran Foran back on the left edge. I don't know if that takes away from Cherry Evans or helps him, so we'll have to wait and see. 64.4 average last year, played 20 games, so he's pretty uh, reliable, durable, 8% ownership. Uh, looking beyond that, though, players like Davey, and, and Ruben Garrick now, I think he comes back into calculations if, if he is playing fullback to start the year. Yeah, just on DCE, like I'm a massive fan of him, but and I flirted with uh, mentioning him in this podcast as well, but just when you've got Nathan Cleary in that halfback role, I don't know how you avoid picking up Cleary. Like That's the only thing I can think of there. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah. I went around Cherry Evans, but I, I'll take your point, absolutely. He's probably the next best option. Um, I, I struggled with Manly a little bit. I went with Josh Alloyer, only owned by 1%. I suppose everyone's going for David Clemmer and other players higher in the category, but he had a decent average last year, higher 50s. I just think maybe coming to a new club, it could mean an improvement. I, there's no real logic behind that, but uh, he's cheaper than the absolute guns of the category, so I thought he could be worth giving a chance to. Yeah, Alloy is one of those one of those meat and potatoes type players. He's a stock staple uh, in draft competitions. And I think in the past couple of years, he, he's often gone undrafted or drafted very late or he's found his way onto the waiver wire by someone who just expects more from a front row forward in draft. But I've been more than happy to pick him up and play him in, in recent seasons in draft because invariably he plays 50-odd, 55, even 60 minutes at times. And if he's going at a point a minute, what more can you want from a front row forward, you know, averaging more than 55? So, yeah, no, great shout there with Josh Alloa. And I think... We haven't mentioned him yet, but I know you're a fan of him as well. Dylan Walker gets him quite cheap from memory, dual position eligible, and around the $300,000 mark as well. So he'll have some admirers as well. Yeah, I looked at him as well, but I went back through his recent years. I know he's had a lot of troubles on and off the field, but his averages have been really ordinary. Like It's hard to make a case for him. Obviously, going back a long time into his South days, he had great potential, but I don't know if that really translated into Supercoach scores. I guess we'll wait and see with him. Um, we'll move on to the Dragons. Probably had a lot of trouble picking a point of difference for the Dragons. Who did you come up with? 
Yeah, I found a couple here. And again, I wouldn't be starting the year with these guys in classic, but I think they can grow their stocks. I've gone with Josh Kerr. Uh, I think purely I've gone with Kerr because he'll get more minutes from what I can see uh, in the rotation down there. Uh, Jackson Ford, another one who I think can come on in leaps and bounds. He's done some good things in the New South Wales Cup system. So a couple of forwards here for mine from the Dragons. Yeah, nice shouts there. I, I struggled, as I said, with the Dragons. I've gone with a real outsider here in the fullback category in Matt Dufty. Obviously, most people are going to go for the bigger guns in the fullback uh, category. But in Dufty's defence, he did actually average 65 last year. And it wasn't just the big scores. It was over 18 games. So he actually like did play well across the whole season. And one thing with Dufty is, in the Dragons side, he is a massive focal point of their attack. So pretty much everything they do, it either goes through him or Lomax, it seemed, last year. Yeah, I think there was a stat there at one point of the season where he and Lomax had combined for something like 50% of the Dragons' points. And I think that might have even been more than that by season's end. But again, one of those fullbacks in draft competitions that if you do miss out on Tedesco or a Pappenhausen or a Kalen Ponga, Brimson maybe even this year, that... Dufty, he might be a forgotten man, but still be able to get you 60-plus, 70-plus points a game and have that high ceiling at the back as well. I really like that. Uh, let's go to the Tigers. Couple, uh, couple here that we I know that you struggled. I struggled as well. I uh, don't really like these guys in terms of a classic option. Great draft pods, if, the, if that's even a thing, but um, players that, I guess, slip the mind in terms of uh, prioritising these guys in draft. I've gone with Alex Twall. Uh, from the Tigers, again, I mentioned that term before, meat and potatoes, stock standard, um, Mr. Consistent, gets his points per minutes in the minutes that he does play. So Alex Dorr for mine. Yeah, I was just completely clutching at straws with this one. Um, Joey Leilua, absolutely wow. could be the worst signing you'll ever make this season, or he could be the best. You just don't know what's going to happen with him. He's pretty cheap compared to usual. He's We all know his best is pretty bloody good, but how often does he produce and how often is he going to get a 10 from being sin-bind or sent off? So, look, take him uh, with a packet of salt. Yeah, not just the grain. Let's fucking throw in the whole Saxa bottle. Uh, you mentioned Leilua there. What about his brother, Luciano? I had a look at him there. Um, points per minute from a back rower, not too bad, not great at the same time. He plays big minutes and he does have that knack of finding a try. So uh, he averaged 62 last year. Again, it's quite down on those... Uh, I guess those two RF guns in the form of Crichton and Madison. But, yeah, don't be disheartened if you end up with Luciano Leilu in a draft competition this year, I'd say. Yeah, draft comps for sure. I guess, like you said, though, with Classic, you look at that category and you just see the big three or four names. It's hard to avoid them. And then aside from them, you probably look for some value, and he's probably not exactly value. So that's why he's probably got the low ownership. But I, I think, like you said, if you end up with him in the draft comp, you'd be pretty happy. Next up, it's the New Zealand Warriors and... One of those teams that's rocks or diamonds. Have you found us a diamond in the rough here? Maybe. I don't mind this bloke. Tohu Harris, um, staying in that 2RF category that we've been speaking about with uh, Luciano. Tohu basically averaged the same as the big names in the category last year, maybe a couple of points lower. And he's slightly cheaper than them, obviously, with the average being lower. But he's only owned with 7%. So, look, I think he's a pretty reliable sort of guy. The Warriors... I don't know if they'll go that well this year, but I don't think that will impact his points too much. What do you think? Yeah, again, a couple of people have said this to me about Tohu Harris, and I kind of, not that I tend to disagree, but I'm just more concerned about what the impact of Jazz Tavanga coming back into this team in a full-time role means. 
from memory, I think Tavanga missed a fair chunk of last season through injury. So that might have shifted Harris into the middle. If he's back on an edge as we've come to know him in seasons before 2020, I think that average can take a bit of a hit. So um, probably overpriced for mine. But I've landed on Chanel Harris-Tavita. I think he's a good option as a backup number seven or six, wherever you tend to play him. Um, kicks goals as well. So kind of fits that mold of a pod and also now Roger Tuovaza Sheck I think he comes right into calculations given Tommy Turbo's injury similarly priced maybe not as consistent or doesn't have a as high a ceiling anymore with uh, Tommy Turbo out but uh, I think Roger will have some fans this year now especially that uh, Tommy's gone down yeah absolutely if I hadn't have noticed Harris I would have mentioned Roger as well Um, he's another one who had like a bit of a down year last year but his averages in the years prior were a lot better. So if he can, it's his last year at the club as well. So he'll be looking to go out on a good note. So with him and Harris and even uh, Harris Tavita, some good options at the Warriors, that's for sure. Um, the Gold Coast Titans, we'll move to them. I suppose while we're talking about the Titans, should we update everybody on Cameron Smith's whereabouts? It's looking less likely that he may be there. What do you think? <laughs> I listened to the boys from uh, the weekly rub down the other day and they just said, look, they're fucking sick of this chat. And as much as I love the GOAT, and I think I'd love to see him play on, and uh, we heard at length from Matty Russell last week about how much he wants him to play on, and as a, a man who's covered the game, you know how it's bewildering that we still don't know. Cameron Smith at $700,000. Uh, we'll get to draft chat later on in this week when we do our rankings, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know with Cameron anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, I was a bit sick of the chat last year and we're still going um yeah now it's looking like he might go to the broncos but look i'd rather him go to the gold coast but he's not going to do what i want so (laughs) not sure anyway have you found a pod for the gold coast uh i have and i hate it as much as i love it it's tyrone peachy center wing to rf uh really not a big fan of uh tyrone in years gone before but the saving grace is is if he can land that uh, number 13 jersey to start the year, which I don't know how that looks, whether Tino wears 13 or if he's in the front row. But Peachy, I only picked him because of his dual eligibility here and that center wing slot. If you can fill it with a middle forward, then he could be a great pot just owned by 1% at this point. Yeah, he's, he's been a repeat offender in my teams over the years. He can produce some great scores and then some have some horrible weeks, but not a bad shout at all. I went with uh, Patrick Herbert, uh, center three-quarter, I th- he's always been a good player, I think, just from a watching the game point of view. But then you look at his scores last year, and I think his last four scores, I forget the exact average, but very high, they're above 60. And it, it looks like he may be the goal kicker for the club, am I right with that? Yeah, there's been rumours around, but I mean, the way he struck the ball the other night in that All-Stars game, I think you'd be... If you're the coach up there at the Titans, I think you just give it to Taylor or Fogarty. I think they're just a better option. So as much as I think Herbert is a great player... Why would you risk it? I don't think he's kicked much through the lower grades. Could be wrong. I've watched a little bit of New South Wales Cup over the past few seasons, and I've not really seen him over the tee too often. So anyway, that's a different story. If he's kicking goals, yeah, great shout. I think he comes right into the calculations. But uh, Fogarty, again, he was just uh, he took the tee for the uh, Indigenous All-Stars the other night. So both Titans from the tee uh, last Saturday night. Yeah, well, look, like you said, a lot will depend on whether he does take goal kicking or not. But I, I don't know. I'm still happy to maybe give him a chance. I haven't got him on my team at the moment, but he's one of those I'll be monitoring for sure. I'll move on to Cronulla Sharks. I reckon I can pick who you're going to play here. Uh, let me guess if you're right. You go first. 
Well, I've got two here, and I think I've been pretty vocal about both of them, both in our season preview podcast and across our social media handles at Supercoach365. But I will go with the one who I think will have the better season as a pod, uh, Toby Rudolph. Uh, really like what he did towards the back end of last year once he uh, made himself a home in that starting role for Cronulla. And if he does that again in 2021, which I think he will, um, I think he will lock down that number 13 jersey. I think he's got a great potential to score 60 plus, 65 points plus per game. So Toby Rudolph for mine. Yeah, I, I went with Rudolph as well. And he was who I thought you would say uh, only 3% ownership, even despite your urgings of the general public to pick him up. So look, he's a good point of difference, I think. Everything you said, I completely echo what you're saying. Good scope for improvement this year. Um, yeah, I can't really add anything more about the Sharks. Yeah, but just before we move on, though, I think, and again, a player I've been very vocal about is Chad Townsend. Just 1% ownership, was down on his best last year, Chad. Uh, missed games through suspension. I think he was even injured at times. And But prior to that, he was one of the Sharks' most durable most consistent type players. He picks up the goal kicking now with Sean Johnson out for the first, I think it's six to eight weeks. Uh, the Sharks, from memory, they have an okay start to the season. So Chad, at $350,000, could be a handy enough inclusion on your bench as a backup number seven behind Nathan Cleary, if that's the way you want to play the game. Ah, you're on your own with that one, mate. <laughs> I've never been the biggest Chad fan. Like he's a, he's a good player. I'll admit it. He's a good player, but I couldn't have him in my super coach team. I don't know. No, I just can't have him. But again, he's probably one of those number sevens that if you miss out on a Cleary or a DCE or a, uh, who else we got up there? We've already mentioned uh, Fogarty and Harris Tavita, these goal kicking number sevens. If you do miss out, then don't be disheartened with getting a Chad Townsend. I'd even pick him and stuff him on the bench as a backup. And, you know, if he does come out and score well, you might even be able to trade him for another position where you are lacking. Fair enough. I'll take the advice on board. Uh, we'll move on to Newcastle Knights. I found one here, uh, front rower Daniel Saifidi. Uh, only averages three points, sorry, average three points less than Clemmer last year. Clemmer's owned by 13%. Saifidi only owned by 3%. And when you take into consideration that Clemmer played all 20 games last year, Safidi missed seven. Maybe with more consistency, he might be able to up that average a little bit. Yeah, and his points per minute last year were phenomenal, 1.31. Missed some games, as you say there. Uh, average still 63, which isn't too bad from a front rower in 48 minutes of game time. So really like that. He's an origin front rower, probably coming to the prime of his career um, his brother Jacob is probably not another bad shout as well. I think he had a career best year last year, Jacob, uh, at the Knights. Uh, still in their front row, I've gone with Jaden Braley. I think, again, I might play the game a little bit differently to some or most others, but I've gone here with Braley with the thinking that I know for a fact that he's one of the fittest, if not the fittest, at the club. Uh, so, again, question marks over how Kurt Mann, Connor Watson, uh, and how, I guess, their minutes are shared. Does, is Braley the victim of that? I don't know. I think he can play 80, Braley. Um, creative. The Knights have a very, very soft draw this year. And uh, we might even get into a little bit more detail in that um, on our website throughout this week. So stay tuned for that. I think the Knights have one of the best draws, if not the best draw this year. Braley fit. Hasn't played under the six again rule. So that's a key taking away for mine. I think he was going to model his game on a pickup and give and go, almost like a Robson. Anyway, I might just have to log in right now and put him on my side. You've sold me completely sold me there. Right. 
can sell a uh, ice to Eskimos like wood. Barnett is another one which has been floated around given the injury to Lachlan Fitzgibbon to start the year. Uh, he's owned by, I think it was only 1% or 2% as well, and he's likely to play 80 minutes, you'd think. So for a back row forward who loves getting through the dirty work, Mitch Barnett could be a good shout. And Tex Hoy, I've been very big on Tex Hoy, and I think he's going to have a blistering start to the new year. I will say, though, he's got an asterisk against his name because he's currently owned by 12%, but I just wanted to mention him anyway. Yeah, I've got Hoy in my side. I think he's almost a must-have. He's in my reserve fullback slot. I'm choosing not to go with two guns at fullback. I'm going with one gun and then Hoy. His price is going to rise, isn't it, almost certainly, with Ponga being out. Yeah, and I think another key point that's been missed by a lot of people, with Ponga being out, their goal kicker's out. And Tex Hoy, for mine, is as clean a ball striker off the tee as I've seen in recent years coming through the junior rep system at the Newcastle Knights. So really like Tex Hoy, he's a try scorer just as much as he is a creator. So no really downside, uh, no real downside, I should say, in including Hoy for round one. The Rabbitohs, let's move on to them. Uh, set to be a force again this year. Who'd you come up with here, Tommy? Gone with Dane Gagai, uh, only owned by 2%. It's kind of, I suppose, he's one of those super coach players who's just kind of there. He does a decent job. He gets a solid score. But then last year... His last 12 games, he didn't score below 55. So he went to a new level there. I know Souths are absolutely flying, but we expect that we expect that to be the case this year. And it all con- coincided with his move to the centres. And with Mansour and Johnston sure to be uh, on the wing this year, Gago will be in the centres. So it lo- it's looking good for him, I think. Yeah, I think closer to the action, closer to the ball. Um, I know he plays at his best at the origin level at the centres. Uh, sorry, on the wing. Um, but in the centres for Souths, I think if you can be uh, in the hip pocket of either Reynolds or um, Walker, depending on what side of the field he starts a year on, because he and Campbell Graham, they just swapped for fun last year. It was a merry-go-round, the South centres. Um, yeah, not a bad shout there. Now, as silly as this may sound, I think I've gone here with Cody Walker. Massive price, I know, but 7% ownership. He was the best 5-8 in the game, uh, at least statistically, last season. I don't think you need to start the year with Cody Walker in your classic team, but there will come a time throughout this season where Souths go on a golden run. I think it's after their bye period, in fact. Souths, you know that they're going to be running downhill towards the semi final. Yeah, I'm surprised he's only got 7%, given that, to me, it's a two-horse race between him and Munster. I'm in that 7%, just wanting to ride the Souths wave, I guess. Look, I know he can be... He's very much a flair player, the team needs to be going well for him to go well, but look, I'm willing to risk it and just go with him. Um, yeah, but it's a good shout from you for sure. Another player I've mentioned here just before we move on, uh, Alex Johnston as well. Just 6% ownership. He led the NRL for tries last season. Dual position eligible if you want to play with him in your fullback slot. Predominantly a centre winger, though, I'd have him. Uh, for $495,000, so he's not cheap, but... Uh, you know, a try scorer. So if you do like try scorers, players with higher ceilings, players that can get you a hat-trick or five tries in the case of last season against the Roosters, uh, Alex Johnson could be your man. Yeah, maybe. I, the only reason I could think for his low ownership is that people don't want to rely on him scoring tries, but it's safe to do so. He, so much of their attack goes to him. So he's, if they go well, he's going to score a lot of tries again. There's pretty much no doubt about it. Yeah, and you think I think there was that statistic that floated around towards the back end of last season where in their last 10 games, South Sydney averaged 30-plus points, and Johnson, I dare say, would have contributed an average of at least eight or eight and a half of those per game. Um, came home with a very wet sail on that try scorers. 
uh, tally towards the end of last season. So Alex Johnson for mine. But if I had to pick one of these two that I've mentioned, I'd be going with Cody Walker. Yeah, plenty of options there at South. Uh, we'll move on to Canberra Raiders. My favourite side, I came up with Josh Hodgson, uh, only 6%. I feel like he's a bit of a forgotten man this year, both in Supercoach and in the league in general. He's just been in the wilderness with his injuries. He's so cheap for his capabilities. I know Starling will be a, a scary factor on the bench, but I, I just think I think he's only 100k, or not even 100k more than Jacob Little. If you can just afford to get Hodgson, I think he'll be going up for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with the fact and the sentiments there that if you had to pick one or the two between Hodgson and Little in that backup number nine role, I'd be steering clear of Little. Uh, I found here uh, in the Raiders list, and again, I was very vocal about this, and this is a real standout for mine. This is a genuine pod going against the grain. Jack Whiten, just 8% ownership. Uh, obviously had a, a quite significantly lower average than both Munster and Walker last year, just 58.3 compared to averages of 70 plus but the Canberra Raiders opening month to start the competition let me just bring up their fixtures here Uh, round one they've got the Tigers round two they've got the Sharks round three they play the Warriors and round four they play the Titans so there's no reason why the Raiders for mine can't get off to a flyer and be 4-0 and Whiten could have 12 Dally M points next to his name at the end of the first month yeah you've got me very excited there with that uh, opening opening month for us hopefully we're at least three from four but no I do agree with you about White and his career best form at the moment if he can stay fit he's going to put great scores on the park and if you want to uh, on the board and if you want to avoid the big two he's definitely a man I think as well and I mentioned this that you have to take the emotion out of super coach a lot of these players or super coach um, players that people will be a part of that 140 plus thousand playing the game this year People just like the way Munster plays it. He's tough. He just doesn't give a fuck at times. He just throws the ball around. So skillful, so creative. Plus, he has that, I guess, the added allure of potentially kicking goals this year. But for mine, again, the Melbourne Storm starts the season is quite tough. I think they play in the first uh, in the first month. It's the Rabbitohs, the Eels, the Panthers, and then they kind of get a bit of a reprieve against the Broncos in round four. Uh, spoke at length about this on the weekend in the Team Update podcast about how how and why I think Munster will lose money in that first month and why I think Whiten will make money. And overall, it's going to be about a ninety dollars to $100,000 savings or, or money made or dollars saved equals dollars earned for mine. So Whiten is a massive pod for mine and I will be playing with him in my team for round one. Elsewhere, I thought um, Hudson Young was a, a good shout here, Tommy. Yeah, absolutely. Ever since the uh, Harawira Naira news about him... Uh being done for high range drink driving. He won't have court case, I don't think, till March 25. So he's not going to play before then, I wouldn't imagine, uh, given what Ricky Stewart has said. And if he's going to fill that uh, that back row role, he's looking a good option, definitely. Yeah, I think he scored a couple of tries towards the end of last season, which might have inflated his average slightly. But I think we spoke about him uh, at length, or at least a little bit more in depth than what we will now, uh, last weekend. And we said that he's a good chance to lock down that right edge role. And if so, uh, could be crossing for a few more tries and bumping that average up even more upon what it was uh, to finish last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, oh, I hope he plays in that. He will play in that role, I'd imagine, vacated by Harry Renaira. And I, I think he's set for a big year for sure. Um, we'll move on to the Roosters now. I kind of cheated here. I have two, Morris and Tupo, that being Brett Morris, uh, both only owned by 2% when I last checked. Both averaged over 70 last year. The other best players in that uh, 
wing center category are Nofaluma and Lomax, who are owned by 11 and 17% respectively. Why are these two so unpopular? I think the price is a big thing. I don't think people want to spend 630 thousand dollars about a center winger hoping that he scores tries. Now, think about this. I had a thought about this this morning, and the reason why I think the Roosters struggled last year is that they didn't have a genuine left foot kicker. Now, this is a little bit different way of thinking, but let's go through the teams that were successful last year. Penrith had Luai on the left side. The Storm obviously had Munster and Smith. South Sydney had Cody Walker. So now with Lachlan Lamb said to be playing in the halves on that left side, he's a left-footed kicker. Does that mean Kiri goes to the right? Because if he does, that makes Brett Morris an even better option this year, I think, playing outside Kiri as opposed to playing outside Flanagan in 2020. Well, that's another factor to consider as well. Um, I just... I don't understand the low ownership, really. Like you said, Morris is now likely to, or in your logic, likely to be better off. He still averaged 70 last year, as did Tupo. The numbers don't lie. I, I don't, I, I'm not a huge rap for the Roosters this year, but they're not going to go that far backwards. They're still going to win a lot more games than they lose. I don't know why they're only at 2% when you've got Nofaluma at 11%. Yeah, mind-boggling, and I think even... The fact that, uh, we, I mean, I've mentioned Nofaluma, I think he, his numbers, his average will significantly drop this year without Harry Grant and Benji Marshall in the team. So, yeah, not a bad shout there uh, going the way of Brett Morris. Uh, I've gone here with Satili Tupanua. Obviously, will fill that void of Boyd Cordner, owned by just 4%, sneaks in at $410,000 for a player who you'd think would be playing for at least an hour. Let's say he's playing point per minute. There's 60 points. So that average and that price is set to grow. I've also gone with, uh, I've already mentioned him a little bit, but Lachlan Lamb, dual position eligible. If you can stuff him at your reserve number nine, I think you could go a long way to uh, quickly uptrading Lamb towards one of those gun hookers, be it Grant or Cook, uh, the opposite of who you start with in round one. Yeah, huge fan of your Tupanua shout. I think last year, whenever Cordner was injured, Tupanua became hot property because you knew he was going to uh, replace Cordner on, on that edge. So from the start of the year this year, he'll be there probably, and that looks a great option. Uh, move on to Para now. Probably someone who I think, he could be the pod of the season. Wow. I think at the moment. Pod of Clint the season. Gutherson. Pod of the season. Clint Gutherson, only owned by 5%. Average one point less than Pappenhausen last year, and he's owned by 26. Can you explain the difference to me? Yeah, geez. Um, I've actually gone with Gutho now on the back of the Tommy Turbo news, so I will start the year with both Pappenhausen and Gutherson. Why is he not owned as much? Well, if I had to say, you know, just on the rugby league eye test, I think probably Pappenhausen has more of those highlight-type moments. Um, I think Gutho's creative points would be more than... Pappenhausen's, again, this is just me thinking out loud here, his scoring points would probably be less. But I guess the value with having Gutherson there as well is so if anything does happen to Mitch Moses, Gutherson would be the backup goal kicker. I'm not wishing bad things upon Mitch Moses, but again, handy to have in your back pocket if you ever need it. Yeah, absolutely. You make good points there. I think people think of Pappenhausen, they think of someone who just won a Clive Henschel medal and scored a great try in a grand final. They're just thinking he's an exciting player. I think Gutherson is still so vital to Parramatta, though. Like I don't, I can't see him scoring much less than he did last year, if at all. I also think with Pappenhausen, you've got a little risk factor in the fact that Cam Smith is now gone. No one knows how that's going to affect the club. Could it affect Pappenhausen negatively? You don't know. 
yeah, I guess that's a bit of a wait and see uh, regarding Pappenhausen and his combination with Harry Grant and I guess what that Melbourne mix looks like. Uh, a couple of others here before we move on from Parramatta. Dylan Brown, I think he's a good shout at number six. Uh, from memory, had a higher base in 2020 than both Munster and Walker. Uh, and another one here, Blake Ferguson, uh, down on his best last year. But we know when he is scoring tries, what his scores can return. Yeah, absolutely. Blake had a obviously that famous drought last year. Uh, I, I don't. I won't be having him personally. I think he might be a little over the hill, perhaps. Sorry if you're listening, Blake. But um, Blake, no, good shouts. The podcast. Yeah, he's he's put his nose out of joint. Well, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to the Storm now. Uh, I, I struggled with uh, Melbourne. I went with Nelson Asafa Solomona purely on the fact that his minutes may rise with Tino exiting the club. Uh, what did you come up with? Yeah, I've gone the same way of thinking, but uh, different players here. Christian Welch, I uh, think his minutes might rise just a little bit, and that's enough to get him up to that uh, average of 65-plus, perhaps. Uh, until he came a Kamitha off the bench, but he was pretty good when he started last year. Uh, from memory, he played 50 or so minutes in round one against Manly, and again in another opportunity last year, scored well, high points per minute. And again, while we're here, we're talking pods, we have to mention Cameron Smith, 1% ownership, we just have to mention him. Yeah, definitely won't be 1% once he uh, takes the field, that's for sure. He's not really a factor in classic at the moment, I suppose, but... Like we'll speak about uh, in the coming days in draft comps, he's still going to be a huge factor there. Yeah, I mean, we put our draft list, our top 20, our hit list together uh, and we'll go through this on the podcast and put it up on our website towards the back end of the week. And I got to pick number 20 and I just thought, you just you just have to have him in there somewhere, don't you? Well, you waited that long. Wow. Well, there you go. A bit of an insight into the way that we're thinking. Uh, still on Melbourne before we quickly move on to the Panthers. We are going on a little bit long here tonight. Isaac Lumi Lumi, another one uh, outside of Remus Smith. Whoever gets that right wing spot for the Storm could be a good pot option. Let's finish it up, Tommy. Let's round it out with last year's minor premiers, the Panthers. Uh, who have you got here? A bit of value in some some shaking and some reshuffling in key positions for the Panthers. Yeah, a lot of value here. I, I thought we may go the same one again here. I've gone with Moses Leota. Only 3%. Uh, great points per minute last year. Playing a lot of the games off the bench. Uh, this year, obviously, Tamau leaves the club, the starting front row from last year, and he looks to fill that void, Leota. So, look, if you can keep up the uh, same output he had last year with more minutes, I don't see why he's not a great buy. Yeah, I've been big on Leota already in several podcasts, and uh, I mentioned that stat about him wearing the jerseys 8, 10, and 13, I think 101 times to anyone who wants to listen to me. So, Leota was down here for mine as well, but I'd also put down. Brian To'o, I think uh, his shift to the left side could help him out this year. Uh, obviously, he was a try scorer last year, but big base, um, doesn't shy away from the tough stuff in the back end, and he can score tries as well. So Brian To'o, for mine, um, from average, uh, sorry, from memory, um, his average was quite good last year. Uh, just bringing it up here now, he averaged 59 or close to and owned by just 4% to start the year. His price is obviously a factor there, but I, I, I think he can score you know, upwards of 15, maybe even 20 tries again this year. Yeah, absolutely. The Penrith should be one of the hot sides of the comp, so he'll have to score a lot of points for that to happen. Also, with Mansour leaving, he does a lot of the work at the start of the sets. Uh, maybe Toho will pick up some of that slack left by Mansour. Yeah, I don't know. I think watching. I think you're exactly right there. I think watching the junior 
junior grades over the past couple of years. Charlie Staines hasn't been that sort of winger. He's been more... Um, he's actually played a lot of fullback, Charlie Staines, creating um, tries and scoring tries, not really known for his work in the back end or in the backfield coming out of their own end. So that wraps us up here in terms of pods, and we've gone on a little bit long here. Uh, we can quickly glance over this weekend's trials, but we might save the previews for someone else with a little bit more knowledge. Uh, coming up this weekend, of course, uh, the first trial, Tommy, a fixture which still gives you chills down the back of your spine, the Raiders up against the Roosters. Yeah, can't wait for another edition of this. Uh, I guess our most recent memory of this fixture is beating them in week two last year, so it's not too bad. We've named a squad of 1,000, I saw today, so everyone looks to get a start this weekend. Still on Saturday afternoon, uh, Melbourne up against the Knights. This one that we played at Albury, and some names on show here for the Storm. We look at the team list here. We see Pappenhausen, uh, Remus Smith, his first go in the Storm Colours. Uh, Olam, Adokar, Munster, Hughes, Bromwich, Grant, Sofa Solomona, Kafusi, Bromwich, Fanukin. That's just about their starting 13 for round one. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's an exciting lineup for sure. I think you'll find a fair few of these sides are going to play strong teams this week as a lot of them haven't had a proper hit out yet. So it, it should be good quality footy actually this weekend. From a classic perspective here, one thing that's caught my eye here, which I'm not too happy about, is uh, Christian Welch in jersey 15 and a Sofa Solomona gets the start. So for classic players uh, who thought Welch might get the run on go, that's not to be the case. For the Knights, Tex Hoy will uh, give his best in jersey number one. Phoenix Crossland in the halves. Uh, Mitchell Pierce, Saifidi, Braley is back in the number nine. Clemmer, Frizzell, Barnett. You can see all these teams on NRL.com. Connor Watson will be in 13. So I said I'd see it when I believe it. And Tommy, true to my word, I'm starting to believe that Connor Watson will be there in 13 for round one. Yeah, well, if you are right about that, he is definitely, uh, I suppose, a, a contender now to be in your team uh, come round one. I will move on to the Titans and the Warriors. Both of these sides looking to field almost, uh, well, not almost full strength, but pretty strong sides. Yeah, absolutely. And going through the, the team list here, the Titans' back line looks pretty well set for round one. Interesting, though, Corey Thompson in jersey number five and not Anthony Don, so... Uh, might give you an indication of the pecking order up there in the outside backs at the Titans. The Warriors team still TBA. That's the case as well for the Sharks and the Bulldogs who will meet uh, at Cogger on Saturday night. I guess the centrepiece of this weekend, though, the key fixture, the one that we're most looking forward to, from a height perspective at least, is the Dragons up against the Rabbitohs out there at Mudgee, the traditional charity shield match. Yeah, it's, it's obviously we see it every year, but I think it's quite interesting this year given the differences in fortunes of the club heading into the year. South, everyone predicting to be right there when the whips are cracking later in the season and the Dragons have just had the off-season from hell, it seems. So, look, it'd be a brave man to tip against South, and I'm not going to, but uh, it'll be an interesting game nonetheless. Yeah, the Dragons have named a squad as opposed to a lineup. You mentioned the season from hell there. I think it's it's only going to get worse for the Dragons, right? I think the Jack DeBellin case is around origin time. Um, from memory, so I mean that's not until June or July. So yeah, just I just can't see any upside to this Dragons team this year. Uh, moving on though, and we mentioned uh, already at length the Panthers. What we like about their team this year, again they've named a squad here, but some names in it. Uh, Nathan Cleary won't be there, um, so Burton might get a run in the halves alongside Luai. Yeah, well this will be good. Uh, good look into the future for Matt Burton. Has he signed with the Bulldogs? What's happening with that? I know there was a lot of talk for a long time. Is he confirmed going there? Yeah, he'll be there for 2022. Um, I think Trent Barrett pushed hard to get him there for 21, but won't be the case because 
I mean, the, the squad, the depth in these squads, I know Penrith is probably a bit of a an outlier here, but once you get beyond that first halves combination, it's quite weak. So Penrith are probably keen to keep their riches in the halves if they can, because if Luai or Cleary does go down, they've got a handy backup in Burton there. Rounding out the weekend, uh, sorry, just before we move on, Parramatta's team TBA, uh, and rounding out the weekend will be the West Tigers and the Seagulls. Both of their teams will be named on Thursday, and I've missed the game here. We're jumping back. The Brisbane, the Forex Derby, the Broncos and the Cowboys. Uh, again, uh, some key takeaways from this. Croft in six, Dearden in seven. Uh, no sign of Milford. Uh, he might be on ice. And for the Cowboys, we mentioned it at the top. Scott Drinkwater will play at fullback and Valentine Holmes on the wing. So make of that what you will. Yeah, no, interested to see how that uh, combination goes with the Cowboys. I'm actually quite keen to see Drinkwater at fullback. So, and also the Broncos. I think both Broncos and Cowboys can go a lot better this year. I know I'm probably out on the limb saying that, but look, it'll be interesting to see what they dish up on the weekend. Yeah, good insight we will get. And from memory, this is the last weekend of trials before the season proper. So uh, the boys will have a week off. Hopefully for players and team's sakes, they can just get through this weekend unscathed, no injuries, no hamstrings in the showers, and uh, they can all be fit and ready for round one. Tommy, that wraps us up. It's been a very long episode. If you're still listening, geez, you deserve a medal. Um, yeah, great to be here. And as we say, we'll catch up later in the week and we'll talk a bit of draft. Yeah, mate, looking forward to getting into the, uh, the draft podcast. Obviously, there'll be a lot of... Uh disagreements between us and uh, good discussions coming from that. Yeah, we'll go through our top 20, as we say, and uh, I think we'll have to do some rearranging here on the back of that Tommy Turbo news as well. That'll keep us busy for the next couple of days, so uh, between then and now, be sure to give us a a rate, a review, or download and subscribe our podcast wherever you get it, Uh, and follow us on our social medias as well, at Supercoach365, or across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, wherever you want to get us. Uh, We'll see you on Friday. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.